Put your hands over your eyes so I know for sure. <laughs> All right, so I'm, I'm going to put an unknown substance into your mouth. exercise it's fun so I need your hands up here okay interlock them so we're going to take a step back and we're going to form a pyramid like this as we so we're going to keep going back okay so we're going to so we got <laughs> and then we got lean together okay oh my <laughs> how far did we go oh <laughs> <laughs> that was that was, made me trust you some more. Okay, now we're gonna do the classic trust fall. So you you go first and then we'll Okay. Okay. Okay, here's the last one. It's called the 40-second stare. Uh, Kenzie, Amber, can you break out one of your phones and set a timer for 40 seconds? Okay. So we're going to look intently into each other's eyes, and we're just going to say how we feel. <laughs> Tell me when you're ready, Amber. Okay. Go ahead. Three, two, one, go. How do you feel, Cam? A little awkward right now. <laughs> Good I feel really close to you. <laughs> but this is good. It's good for us. You know, uh -huh. this is how you build trust as you look straight into someone's eyes and report something. I was going to do a minute, but. Already. Right in your eyes. <laughs> and the kids is kind of creepy. That's how I feel. Yes, that was a little weird. A little more awkward. 10 seconds. Leave your breath and I'm like. Star, all right, Star 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 Oh, wow. Cam, how do you feel? Do you feel closer to me than you were? Probably a little bit closer. I definitely feel closer. You can have a seat. That's, that's it. Thank you, Cam. Mm. Kind of upset I gave all those Star Those were good. Oh, no, no, no. Better not. It makes trust, trust falls easier if you keep eating West Sour Patch Kids. So, I'm glad we had that experience together. And I'm glad that you guys all got to experience it with us. And the reason I did this is because sometimes trust can be a little bit tricky. Trust usually means that you lose some control, right? When you, like gravity have all the control and there's just a person standing behind you you don't have the autonomy and the control that you're used to or when you open your mouth and close your eyes and 
just trust the person to put something in your mouth. You don't have as much control as you're used to. And I put my trust in Cam to catch me. Luckily, he plays hockey. I, I know he's a nice, strong young man. So that made my trust a little bit easier. But if you don't trust people, and if, if you don't have trust, then you can't really get to know them. And you can't be intimate with them. So trust is an essential part of relationship building. Or at least it's a, an essential part of a deep relationship. You can't have a deep relationship without trust. And trust means you've got to be vulnerable. And trust means that you've got to kind of give a portion of yourself over to someone else. So today we're going to be looking at a trust exercise that, so to speak, that we can take with God. And then after this message, we're going to have a chance to actually practice in that trust exercise for ourselves. I hope you guys are all ready to fall backwards. Just kidding. We're not going to do that. But we are going to look at something else. And our main passage for today is Proverbs chapter 3. If you would go ahead and turn there with me. So as you may know, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And these words are written to help us practice actions that go along with faith. And they teach us how to live in the ways that God wants us to live. In these words in Proverbs are the practical everyday advice and attitudes that we should have when following, when following God with our whole lives. And in this section, I think there's a particularly difficult practice to follow. So let's go ahead and read it now. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. So trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I will be healing, it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So let's go back. Let's take a look at what's actually being said here. So right off the bat, we are told to trust in the Lord. And, of course, when we see all capitals, Lord in the Old Testament, that means Yahweh. So that's the personal name of God. We are to trust in Yahweh with all of our heart. And then immediately following that statement is a warning to not lean on our own understanding. So in Proverbs, there is, in in Hebrew poetry in general, there is what's called antithetical parallelism. Anybody want to see? Repeat after me. Antithetical parallelism. <laughs> it was funny to hear you try to say it. it was... Antithetical parallelism. So it's a fancy word that you can use to impress all of your fancy friends. Uh, but it's not really important. It's the idea that's important. So the author uses, and, and many times in Proverbs, two phrases that are opposite but say the same thing. So one phrase... Trust in the Lord with all of your heart is the antithetical but parallel statement of do not lean on your own understanding. So the author is trying to get us to see this big picture of trust in God and not in ourselves. And this means that we look at what God wants us to do and what God wants us to say and how he wants us to handle situations in our everyday lives. 
Because often our hearts and our own understanding are going to mislead us. But God's way is always going to lead us correctly. And that's what the author says next. If we acknowledge God, then he'll make our paths straight. It is really hard to drive on Cortland in the middle of the winter with all the snow and it's dark out, right? It's a lot easier to drive on nicely plowed 131, right? A straight path is much preferable. And so when we acknowledge God, what does that mean? Well, it means we follow him, that we, we listen to him, that we know him, that we walk with him in our lives. And if we do that, that means we're going to avoid the normal pitfalls of sin. It's not like that life is going to be without trouble all of a sudden. Of course, all Christians who have lived with God know that life still has trouble. But it means that we're able to find peace and comfort through that trouble. Not to mention, when you live for God, like I said, there's a lot of common sin problems. That if you live the way that God wants you to live are avoidable. There's a lot of pain and strife that we don't have to go through in life. We're just willing to live for God. And the author wants us to make sure that we get this. So he says again, do not be wise in your own eyes. Just to reiterate, hey, what you think and what you think you know, don't believe it. Only trust in God because God sets the standards. He's the one who gives us wisdom and understanding. So don't take your own wisdom too seriously. And if you do this, If you search out God's wisdom and trust in him and turn away from evil, you will be refreshed and healed. So the author is doing something here, okay? He's building us up, right? We're reading this and we're like, oh yeah, God is really great. He wants to look out for me. He wants to make my path straight. He wants to impart his wisdom on me. I'm feeling really good. But then the author gets personal, And starts to tell us how that actually looks in our lives. And gives us an example of what it means to trust in God. So the author gives us one practical step, I think, to follow through on what he's saying. Honor the Lord with your wealth. So you remember a couple mothers of days ago when I built that scale? And we were talking about the word honor and what it means to honor your parents. And the Hebrew word for honor is talking about giving weight to something, to give something significance, right? Well, that's the same Hebrew word here. To honor God with your wealth, to give, to use your wealth, to show God that you think he's worthy, that you honor him. So we're supposed to give God honor through our wealth. Now, why do you think that's brought up? I think it's because trusting anyone but yourself with your wealth is difficult for us, right? To to let loose your control of what you possess. And money has historically been one of the biggest competitors to our love for God. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 6 that we can't serve God and money. We have to pick one of them. Which one is more important to us? And that goes along with a big list of anything else. You can't serve blank in God. It's God has to be first. And by trusting in God with our wealth and giving God the first of what we take in, we are squarely putting our trust in God over our money. 
So think of this like a spiritual trust exercise. But it definitely takes way more commitment than a trust fall. When we give God the first of our wealth, we are showing him our heart. We're, we're showing him that we are trusting him. Because there is more than just the, the normal tithe, the normal giving here. It, it does talk about giving the first of all that you take in. And that's the biblical tithe that was in the Old Testament. You have to give 10% of everything that you you earn. But I think that's where it goes beyond that. I think that's important. But I think this word honor in Proverbs is calling us beyond the tithe. Because the tithe almost becomes an obligation. It almost becomes a ritual practice. And then to honor is to, to do something more significant, I think. So there are many other passages in Proverbs and in Bible, where we can see that clearly that God wants us to use our money in a way that brings him glory outside of our normal giving, which is still important. But then he also wants us to go above and beyond. For example, Jesus tells us to use our wealth for the hurt and the needy in Matthew 19, when he, when he says to the rich young ruler, and the rich young ruler asks him, what, what else do I need to be saved? And he says, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Right? Jesus is calling us to honor God with our money, to put our money after God. And again, another example in in Romans chapter 12 is when Paul calls us to provide for the needs of the saints. If there's a need in the body of Christ, we are supposed to use our wealth and resources to provide for that need. Another example from Paul is that in Acts 15, he asks for a special donation to be made to the church in Jerusalem who's experiencing famine. He's, he's calling us to take care of each other. And we can see many more examples of how we're called to use our wealth to honor God above and beyond our normal faithful giving. And when we honor God with our wealth, I think it means two things for us. First, it means that our wealth to God is consistent. We, we are consistently giving it to him. We, we kind of just surrender it all. And then I, the second thing I think it means is that we are willing to sacrifice, to, to give above and beyond for special situations and needs and purposes when they come up. So that can take many forms. It doesn't have to be providing for a church going through famine. It can be someone's car breaking down and providing, helping provide a new vehicle or uh, doing a fundraiser for North Kent Connect, like a food drive. We've done that before. Maybe it's filling up someone's gas tank at a gas station or paying for someone's groceries who needs it or providing for a special project for the church that helps us attract and minister to people more effectively. And if we do this, if, if we take this step of faith and we honor God with our wealth, we put him first and he promises to take care of us in return if we believe in him and trust in him. So don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel here. I'm not saying if you give money to the church that you're going to see financial success, that you're going to become a millionaire and get that fancy car you always wanted and have a nice big house and be set for life. That is not what I'm saying. But what we do know from Scripture and what is biblical is that if we trust in God and give him our wealth and our life and our resources and time, if we hand that all over to him, if we surrender ourselves, we gain a different kind of wealth. 
we gain a wealth that cannot be taken away. Let's remind ourselves with what Jesus says in Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Put your treasure in God. Invest your wealth in God in a way that is secure and eternal. Have you ever seen a moving truck behind a hearse, right? No. You can't take any of this stuff with you. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have saving accounts. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have retirement plans. That doesn't mean that it's bad to leave an inheritance for your children. But it does mean that you don't put your trust in the wealth. It does mean that you don't make that your security, that you don't build up riches on earth just to have them. But rather, we use our wealth. It's a resource. We use our our wealth and our time and our gifts and any other resource that you can think of to build our wealth in the kingdom. To, To take this useless piece of paper this number in an account, and transmit it into something that's eternal, to something that's going to mean something to God at the end of the age. To honor God with everything we have and to give him our best, that's what we are called to. And that's what it means to trust in him and to acknowledge him. Our understanding, if we trust in our own understanding, tells us that if we save our money, and we keep it to ourselves, we are going to be more secure and we're going to be happier. But God's wisdom tells us that if we trust him with our wealth to an even greater extent with our lives, that we are going to be better off, that we are going to be more secure, we are going to be refreshed and healed. And that is the wisdom that Proverbs is trying to impart on us today. That is what we are trying to drill into our minds that trusting God ends in a better result. So here are some practical steps for you today. Or maybe we just call them trust exercises. Right? Here are some trust exercises for you. Number one, put your pride aside. Twice, in just a few verses here in Proverbs, we are told not to lean on our understanding. To not rely on our own wisdom. And that means that we need to practice humility. What? I'm sure for a fact no one knows better than I do, right? That's what we tend to think sometimes, even if it's not conscious. Like, we know what's going on in our lives. We know what is correct. But we can walk down that road by ourselves, put ourselves first, and it's not going to end well. I promise. God knows best. He created us, and he created this world. So let God lead you. Follow his wisdom. Follow his plan even if it doesn't comply with your understanding. Number two, believe in the big picture. A part of trusting in God is believing in the big picture. And the big picture is that there is a life after this age. Right? If there isn't a life in the kingdom, if there isn't something after today, after our lives, then why wouldn't we store up treasures on earth? Because that's all we have. We should... Seek money and seek riches and seek power and influence because 
That's what would become important. But if there is a future, then we are better off investing in the eternal instead of investing on our average of a 78.79 year lifespan. Right? It's a really godly perspective that changes how we think and act. And knowing that there is a future that holds some kind of major change changes how we view our money and our time now. Or at least it should. Number three, honor your God, honor God with your wealth. When you value God and you give him that significance in your life, you're going to want to honor him. And one of the biggest and most tangible ways we do that is by putting our money and our time and our resources where our mouth is. So where is your treasure? Because that's where your heart's going to be. And here's another thing about honoring God with your wealth. Something that's really important to know is that it's worship. And the word worship is very similar to the word honor. It means, quite literally, to give something worth. To, to apply worth to something. Which is when you praise and you sing and you say, God, you're awesome, you're the creator. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. When, when you do this, it's called worship. Which is just the same kind of meaning as honor. And so when we give our resources and our time, we're telling God that we think he's worthy of our money and our time. And that is an act of worship. This is how essentially anything can be done, any godly thing can be done in a manner of worship. As we think, this is not an obligation, this is not something I need to do to gain social rapport, but rather, this is an act of worship. This is something that's coming from my heart. My joy is to give God this thing so that he knows what he is to me, that I love him, that I cherish him, that he's worthy of everything I have. So now we're going to be moving into our time of sacrificial giving. So those of you who I asked to help, will you come up? And uh, the baskets are right there. And worship team, will you go ahead and come up as well? So here is an opportunity for all of us to practice what we just read in Proverbs chapter 3 this morning. To honor God with our wealth, to worship him with our giving, to sacrifice what we have, to acknowledge the great sacrifice that God made through his son Jesus to save our lives. So what we're going to be doing is over the next song, uh, Tanner and Cam and John are going to help pass these baskets around and make sure that everybody gets a chance to participate in the sacrificial giving. And remember, you need to consider an act of worship and praise to our great and living God.